Hey, welcome to The Centre Podcast. We're a church based in Dural, Sydney, who love Jesus and want to share the message of hope that he brings for all people. We pray that you're blessed by this word and that it reveals God's love for you in a new way. Enjoy. Well, good morning, everyone, from your lounge rooms. Um, Today, we are going to uh, continue on with our series um, on James. Now, last week, uh, we looked at chapter 5, but this week, we're going to go back a few chapters and uh, look at chapter 3, which is all about taming the tongue. The title of today's message is called The Duality of the Tongue. Now, The initial meaning behind this is that the tongue operates in this dichotomous nature, in that it can be used for good or evil. Now, as I said, the tongue can be used for incredible good, encouraging others, saying loving things, even preaching the gospel. However, the tongue can also cause great devastation, ruining friendships, destroying careers, and even splitting churches. However, this chapter is not just about um, a duality between good and evil. It's also, there's a duality in its structure. The chapter is split into two parts. Why the tongue should be tamed and how the tongue should be tamed. So we're firstly going to take a look at why the tongue should be tamed and then we're going to unpack the wisdom of how the tongue should be tamed. Now, when I think of an untamed tongue, my mind immediately springs back to a beer ad in the early 2000s. Now, this tongue is separated from its owner and it is allowed to wander around the bedroom, the house, even on the footpath um, to do its own thing. And that was to find a beer. You see, there was no control from its owner. It was a law unto itself, an untamed tongue. The first point that James needs to make is that the tongue is a powerful tool for evil. He does this through a long, careful argument. In verse 1, he starts by warning those who become teachers of the law that their positions of authority carry much greater weight than other positions in the church. Why? Well, as we know, words are powerful, and if they are used in an incorrect manner, they have the power to cause, for example, believers to sin if the preacher said a word that just wasn't right. And then the believers would choose to treat that as gospel and just to go about their business, which would cause them to sin. It can also cause great divisions within a church if a word is untimely or unkind. But a preacher can also commit heresy if they say something that is totally contradictory to what God's word says. Now, this is backed up by Jesus in Matthew 12, 36, where Jesus says, But I tell you that everyone will have to give account uh, on the day of judgment. Uh, for every empty word that they have spoken. And in Luke 12, 48, he says, From everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. 
And from the one that has been trusted with much, much more will be asked. You see, teachers of the law, ministers, pastors, can have a great influence on other people. And so therefore, they must be careful with their words, but also their actions. Now, I'm a school teacher, a teacher of students, and I can testify that words um, hold, uh, that students hold great weight on words that you say to them. Now, I had a student last year that's now graduated from year 12 and studying computer science on a scholarship um, this year and doing amazing things at university. Now, she mentioned to me the reason why she picked computing in year 11 and 12 was because of a word that I said to her um, in year nine. Um, I basically said to her that she had a real gift in the subject and that she would go uh, very far in this field. But at that stage, she didn't actually really like the subject. Um, and, but now, she's actually pursuing a career in it. She had mentioned that if I hadn't said those words, she probably wouldn't have picked the subject in year 11 and 12. Now, of course, words can go the other way too. And as a teacher, I've had a few moments where I've said something to a class that I regret later. And students will, will hold on to those words for many, many years to come. So we've got to be careful with what we say. Now, everyone sins or stumbles, and I'm sure you would agree with me, the easiest place to stumble is with the use of the tongue. In verses 3 and 4, James uses a series of examples to illustrate this point. Uh, the first example is the use of a small bit in the horse's mouth um, to turn it. Now, notice here that this little device in its mouth can change the entire direction of the animal. Another example he uses is, again, of a really tiny part of a larger object, is the rudder in a ship. Um, now, it's important to understand that uh, rudders, especially in the New Testament, had a physical shape and form of of a tongue. It looked like a tongue. So it's by no fluke here that James uses these two examples because they relate to the mouth or the tongue. What we can learn from these two examples is that our tongue, a small part of our body, has a tremendous power, huge impact on what we do. And we can use it for good or evil. Again, highlighting the duality of the tongue. Now, in verses 5 and 6, James shifts the direction of his argument and at this point compares the tongue to the spark, um, sorry, compares the tongue to a spark which can set a forest on fire. Now, the spark should be seen here as something that's evil. For example, an unkind word that's said to someone else. Now, this kind of word is in total contrast to, for example, a heavenly word or a heavenly tongue, which would be used to build up and exhort people. You see, the bitter pain of a word spoken against us can inflict wounds on us for a, for a lifetime, long after a broken bone has been healed. So I guess the children's nursery rhyme, sticks and stones break my bones, but words can never hurt me, isn't necessarily true. If we go back to Proverbs, we'll see James's argument backed up by some timeless truths too. Um, in Proverbs 26, 
uh, verses 18 to 19, we read, uh, Like a maniac shooting flaming arrows of death is one who deceives their neighbor and says, Look, I was only joking. I guess a modern take uh, on a small spark causes a forest fire would be an Elon Musk tweak regarding cryptocurrency. Um, a cryptocurrency similar to Bitcoin, and I hope I'm pronouncing this right, it's called Shibu Anu coin, surged 25% in the hours after Elon Musk had tweeted, my Shibu Anu will be named Floki. Those seven words from Elon Musk had massive financial repercussions around the world. Now, many, if not all sins, begin with a word. Whether it was outwardly spoken or inwardly silently spoken, um, unfortunately, powerful as it is, the tongue is hard to tame. James states the general truth about the ability of people to tame animals and compares it to the inability of people to tame their tongues. Now, my mother-in-law, um, Donna, decided to adopt a new puppy into her home uh, a few years ago. The dog, now known as Pippa, um, was an unruly mess uh, when she first arrived. You see, Pippa, even though a puppy, was a uh, large dog. So uh, she was like a puppy in an adult dog's frame. This meant that she would um, affectionately jump on people as they arrived in the house, um, could destroy a soft toy in, say, like five seconds, and dig holes larger than a mine shaft in the backyard. Donna, Donna would patiently correct um, and methodically correct Pippa each time she was unruly. There were many outsiders, myself included, that declared Pippa um, a lost cause. An untamable dog, if you like. However, it was Donna's persistence, hard work and love that has now tamed Pippa um, into a decent dog. Is Pippa perfect? Of course not. She still has the occasional moment where she jump, jumps up on visitors. But she is much improved. Without, without Donna, Pippa would not be as tamed as she is now. We read that taming the tongue is much harder than reading, uh, sorry, than taming an animal. In verse 8, James writes, no human being can tame the tongue. So we get a glimpse here that we need to rely not on our own strength, but on our creator's wisdom, our creator's strength to tame our tongues. A really important part of verse 8 is when James 8 declares the tongue a restless evil, full of deadly poison. By nature, the tongue is always wanting to say something, often poisonous, often bad, often evil. And poison normally produces death. So if the tongue is restless, what is the opposite state of being restless? Peace. Peace is the opposite state of rest, being restless. So again, we can see this dual nature of, um, here of the tongue, and that when the tongue is used for evil, it is a tool used by the enemy. However, if the tongue is used for good, it can produce peace, peace in our hearts 
and in other people's hearts. Now, James illustrates um, the duality of the tongue clearly in verse 9 when he writes, With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Now, he reinforces this point with two examples. Uh, The first example is drawn probably from the dry Jordan Valley, where one could see up ahead in the valley a stream in the distance. Now, on some occasions, the water that flows down in that stream would be fresh. It would be drinkable. But on other occasions, you walk past it, it would would have salt in it. It would be undrinkable. Uh, But what's clear is that you can't have both fresh and salt water coming through this stream. This duality, two different and contradictory words coming out of the same mouth, is a type of hypocrisy. We cannot be praising God on Sunday and cursing and gossiping our friends or workmates on Monday. Our praises of God become a cover-up, a type of hypocrisy. If we are to lead people to Christ, we must, be, we must do it sincerely and with the Holy Spirit. A barrier often cited by non-believers to becoming a Christian is the hypocrisy of Christians. Now, a few weeks ago, we had someone, um, we had a uh, quote that was read out from, um, from Gandhi. Um, and the quote was, I like your Christ, but I do not like your Christians. Your Christians are so unlike your Christ. Friends, let's, let's remove the hypocrisy by starting with our words. People notice and listen to what you have to say. So at this point, we might be feeling a bit discouraged as we've learned that taming the tongue is difficult. Who can control his or her tongue? How do we free ourselves from this, this terrible power and become more, uh, and make our tongues more perfect? As a teacher of HSC students, um, one of the most important things I can do is to get my students' HSC exam ready. Now, the first thing that I might do is I might um, show them what an HSC exam looks like. But the next thing that I'll do is show them the uh, marking criteria, a feedback on how to actually answer those questions. You see, if students learn to construct answers that follow the marking criteria, that's how the HSC markers mark these questions, the students have a better chance to succeed in the HSC. James gives us the how, how to tame the tongue in verses 13 to 18. The marking criteria, if you like. We, we have a better chance to succeed in taming our tongues if we study and absorb these next six verses. So how do we go about taming the tongue? Well, James's answer is similar to what he said in chapter 1, verse 5. We need not our own power, but God's divine wisdom. James begins his discussion by showing the difference between a person who has divine wisdom and someone that that does not. The wise person is characterized by the good life, meaning a way of life that is good according to God's word. Another way to put it, if you observe this person's actions, you will see that it mirrors what God's word says. So what practical wisdom can we glean 
can we find out from God's word? There's so many verses in the Bible about taming your tongue, um, but I've picked three here. The first um, passage that I've picked is from Psalm 141, verse 3, uh, which, which says, Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. So what this is saying is just to be very vigilant about what kind of words are coming out of your mouths. Um, and this might be, if you've got something difficult to say to someone, maybe pray to God for the right words to say. Let God be the security guard of your mouth. The second passage comes directly from Jesus. Matthew 5, verses 37. But let your yes be yes and your no be no. Um, for whatever is more than these will be from the evil one. So I guess if a yes or no suffice, don't add any more colourful language that you don't need to. And finally, James gives us some wisdom in chapter 1, verse 19. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear and slow, slow to speak. I guess with this one, it's listen more than you speak. Listening is a powerful way to understand um, and learn more about others. And it can ultimately prevent an untimely word from coming out because rather than talking, you're, you're listening. Now, this is especially useful for those of us that put their foot in their mouths, myself included. Um, another character trait James highlights about the wise person is that this person shows humility or, another word, meekness. Meekness is the opposite of aggression. So rather than looking for ways to combat or attack others, the wise person is looking to maintain peace at all costs. Let me ask a question to you. How do you react when someone accuses you of something that maybe you didn't do? Do you immediately go on the defensive? Or do you uh, deconstruct their, what they've said and find a hundred ways that it's wrong? Or do you listen to their perspective and respond gently with humility? You see, another part of taming the tongue is being humble. Being humble is a big part, big part of taming the tongue. Now, friends, finally, James concludes by reiterating that the only true protection against the false wisdom mentioned in verses 14 to 16 and the evil in the tongue is, is God's wisdom. Now, James gives a list of characteristics of this, this true wisdom, uh, which is very similar to the one that Paul get, uh, gives um, when he talks about the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians. Um, we read here, but the wisdom that comes from heaven is, first of all, pure. Pure, sincere, and sincere in obeying, obeying God. For example, um, what we could practically do here is reduce that hypocrisy, where we praise God on Sunday and curse people on Monday. If we want to be wise, we, won't, we try not to do that. Uh, a wise person is peace-loving. They're looking always to maintain the peace, especially in the church as well. 
A wise person is considerate, gentle, and understanding of others. A wise person is submissive. Now, this relates to the humility that I just mentioned previously. It's about being non-combative, not attacking people. Um, this person is also willing to learn and, and, and be corrected when they've done wrong. The wise person is full of mercy and good fruit. Uh, this type of person is charitable um, and looks to help others. And, and from a perspective of the tongue, they're looking to build up others with kind words. A wise person is impartial. This person has a heart which is solely on fire set for God. And finally, the wise person is sincere. This person is genuine in their actions. There are no ulterior motives behind their actions. What they say to someone's face, they'll say exactly behind their back. Now, this is a challenge for those that, that maybe like to gossip. So, what have we learnt from James 3? Well, we've learnt that the tongue can be used for good or evil. You see, there is a duality of the tongue. We've learned that the tongue is difficult to tame. James says that the tongue is much more difficult to tame than an animal. When used for, for good, the tongue can achieve great things, like building people up, strengthening relationships, and preaching the gospel. But when the tongue is used for evil, it can do incredible harm to ourselves and others. James describes the tongue as a restless evil full of deadly poison. Poison. Poison usually leads to death. However, as Christians, we should be alert rather than alarmed. We, you see, we've been given the antidote to tame the tongue. We've been given a helper, the Holy Spirit, to guide us and reveal God's divine wisdom to us. There are ways which we can receive this wisdom. We can pray regularly to hear from what God's saying to us. We can read his word. As I mentioned, there's so many passages in the Bible about taming the tongue. And we can ask for the, uh, the Holy Spirit when we speak to others for wisdom. Um, we had to also continually look to improve our character, to refine ourselves, just like we read um, in chapter uh, 17. We had to practice being sincere with our words, produce peace rather than conflict with our tongues, understand the needs of others and look for ways to build them up with our words. We should be impartial with our words, using them for praising rather than for cursing. And finally, to be genuine and sincere and not gossip behind others' people back. You see, friends, we have the antidote to tame our tongue. Yes, yes, it will require us to draw near to God. But that is exactly the point. You see, God wants a relationship with us. When we are in a relationship with God, the words that come out of our mouths will reflect 
the intimacy that we have with him. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we read in your word that peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. Lord, help us to control our tongues this week. May our words be used for good, to build up others, to to preach the word. Lord, may we draw closer to you this week by spending time with you, praying, reading the Bible, asking for the right words to say, and listening to your Holy Spirit. Lord, may we delight in that intimacy of being closer to you and enjoy the fruit of that intimacy, which includes a wiser tongue. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks so much for joining us. Don't forget to rate and subscribe to help others discover this channel. Check out the description if you want to find out more or get in touch with us at the Centre Dural. But in the meantime, praying for God's hand over you as you continue to step into everything Jesus has in store for your life. Be blessed.